This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. I dream of a time when women rest in each other's presence without judgment, comparison, competition, or fear. When we are known and celebrated, when we lay down our shields of protection from the battle, but also from each other, when we can lament without shame and laugh without guilt, when we are one storyline, fierce and lovely women of God. Join me as I talk with fierce and lovely women from around the world. back to the Fierce and Lovely podcast. This is part two of my conversation with Tracy Johnson and Nicole Nordeman. So if you need to catch up and go back, uh, this is the second part to our conversation. We jump right in to talking about where our own stories show up and can sometimes be a barrier to how we are mothering our daughters well. It is a, a vulnerable and yet extremely ordinary conversation and we talk about how we need to be having more of these in front of our kids so that they see that this is really what a beautiful life is made up of. Um, I love these women and I love talking with them. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, Nicole, I, I loved how you said we're all parenting in the shadow of our parents or in the shadow of how we were parented. And I, I guess I'm wondering as moms, what what you find, maybe Tracy, for you, what gets in the way of you being excruciatingly curious, mm-hmm. knowing that that's the very thing that's most life-giving to you and to Libby and Ellie, where do you find perhaps your own story like just being a barrier mm-hmm. to doing that well? For all of the work I've done in my own story, and it's a lot there are still those tender places inside of me where somewhere, you know, I I got pierced and, and it's at different ages, right? So when I think about, you know, middle school, that first year of high school for me, it's even just sitting here right now, I can see that 14 year old girl and, um, for a long time, her face was the face that I had so much disdain for. She wasn't pretty enough. She wasn't confident enough. She had too many zits. I, you know, just, um, she didn't have the boyfriend, and and so I, I'm. I still will find myself with my own girls having my story stirred, right? And um, just yesterday, Katie sent a a box of clothes. She Marie Kondo'd her closet. (laughs) And so she had sent a message like, you know, I'm sending a box and um, mom gets ultimate veto power on who gets what. But the girls were pulling things out and Libby was 
pulling these dresses out and she was putting them on with such confidence. And I could feel inside, I did not have that at her age. Um, and, and I know enough today that I don't want to go, I don't know. I'm not sure we should wear that. It's a little too bare in the back or it's a little too, you know, whatever. Um, or wanting to say, I'm not sure you really have anywhere to wear that, right? Because those would be all the voices inside of my head that were true for me at that point. There, there are many places where, where I am so grateful for how my mom mothered me. And there are places where, you know, her story and how she was mothered, right, got passed down. And so there, there is a, a sense around that time in my life that I didn't feel lavishly or wildly celebrated or given permission to sort of lean into my own style, whatever that might've been. And so those are places where I'm mothering from maybe a place of lack or a place of want. And it takes it. I am again, grateful for the work I've done in my own story, but it takes a conscious effort on my part. And when I can do it, it's really beautiful. And it, and it's, I, I think it's healing for me and it's a blessing for them. And I know if my mom had to do it again, you know, hindsight is 2020, right? She, she, sure. she would absolutely do things differently. So it feels important to say that. Um, sure. but yeah, I mean, so that, I don't know if that answers your question, Beth, but yeah, I mean, it makes me think of, um, over Christmas, the girls got gift cards and wanted to go to Sephora and, you know, buy makeup. And I've, I had never been to Sephora and only like, I get my makeup if I get any at all from Target. I have this long story of needing to be frugal, not having the money to spend on these things, not having much affirmation that pursuing you know, being lovely externally was worth it or paid off in the end. There was a lot of reinforced messages that I had unknowingly absorbed. And so I walk into Sephora and my heart literally starts to race. I feel like I'm having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. The smells assault me, the, the brands that I've never heard of, you know, I'm very aware of how out of place I am with all of these women and girls in this store. And know enough to know I just need to be silent and I need to delight in their delight and I need to not bring my story into this space and I need to resist the urge to say that $50 bottle of foundation would be 10 at Target <laughs> and to just let them enjoy and teach me. And it's been redeeming in the same way for me, Tracy. I've had Sophie, my you know 13-year-old, teaching me how to do eye makeup because okay. she's somehow learned all the things from YouTube and it's just one of those other examples of my story is present right mm -hmm. here and now. What am I going to do with it? And how am I going to let the girls be their own people without the baggage, without the burden of my own questions and doubts and insecurities, you know, being heaped upon them in that moment? And I know we do that all the time with things as, as lighthearted as makeup and a lot bigger and deeper things as well. I talk to so many moms, uh, you know, well, as they're telling me what's feeling hard about whatever's going on in their parenting, it, 
if I bring my excruciating curiosity, um, it doesn't take long. And, and that's the kind of space that we're in that so often what is feeling difficult in parenting our girls or even our sons, but parenting our girls and where we find ourselves sort of caught and unable to bless and unable to celebrate so often leads to that space in our own story. Often forgotten space. Mm -hmm. Right. But if we ask, pause long enough to ask, why is my heart racing? Mm -hmm. Right. That's good. And follow the trails. Well, and even relationally, right? Because that's the other place where I think we can get stuck in what was true in our own stories and often is true for us even today in how we engage with women when our girls have the inevitable fallouts that happen and how we help them have the conversations um, that, that need to be had to repair what's feeling broken in friendships um, and or help them sift through deciding. So maybe this friendship isn't one that belongs inside my closest circle. Mm. Those are, those are tricky. And I, I don't know about you guys. I, I would love to hear, but, but it happened, happened at my house, <clears throat> happened at my house this weekend, happened on Sunday with one girl and happened late yesterday afternoon with another. Yes. We have those frequently as well. Nicole, what, what are some of your thoughts around around that, your story? I think that, um, uh, first of all, just both, what both of you have shared has just been so beautiful. And I'm just taking like copious mental notes here because um, so much wisdom and truth in, in both of those examples. Um, for me, one of my wounds that I have carried into adulthood from my own experience and, and childhood was that there was never any sort of um, messiness or conflict in our family growing up. I always joke that um, that we were like the original Instagrammable family, like two decades before Instagram. And I would never saw my parents fight. I never heard a harsh word exchange. Everybody was hugs and kisses and smiles and vacations and my dad was, you know, the best dad and my mom was the best mom. And then when I was 18 years old, they announced very much out of the blue that they were divorcing and had been miserable for the majority of their 24 year marriage, had done the very traditional, you know, keep it together for the kids. And now I was off to college and they could, and of course I'm making it a much shorter version of this conversation, but essentially I felt like, in addition just to the pain of your parents divorcing, I felt like everything about the first 18 years of my life had been a complete lie, knowing that they had been that unhappy, but never allowed us to see any crack in the armor. Hmm. And so I sort of was launched into adulthood with a very strong skill set in in curb appeal and making things look nice from the street. Mm. Um, And still to this day, really fight those tendencies when things are falling apart and I am um, 
fully aware that I'm struggling with depression or maybe I'm um, struggling with my weight or maybe I don't need that extra glass of wine at night by myself. All the things that it feel yucky. It is an act of absolute courage and discipline for me every single time to say that out loud to, 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 mm-hmm. friend, to say uh, things. I know, th- I know how things look on my Instagram account, but let me just tell you what's going on under this roof. Mm-hmm. And so I'm finding myself being, being very intentional as a parent with Pepper in particular, because she has the same tendencies. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Drying mm-hmm. the tears quickly. Um, best foot forward, game face, all the things, you know, just to really invite her to be messy emotionally, mm-hmm. to just let it be what it is. Let other people see it. Um, and to not yeah. live with those strong urges to clean it up for the neighbors. Nicole, that speaks to like just the, such the reality of our lives, the curb mm-hmm. appeal, <laughs> the the curated life, the branded mm-hmm. life. And I think as I listen to just the three of us talk, like this is what I feel like girls, our girls age are missing out on mm-hmm. the, the real nitty gritty, messy, mucky, ordinary stories of living a life well because what they are what they see is is curated and it's Mm -hmm. or extraordinary um you know nicole as a singer songwriter it would be easy for girls to to see you as as an extraordinary untouchable you know you've made it life altogether Mm -hmm. right and here is such a raw, relatable, authentic you. And same for me and Tracy. I, I wonder how we can help our girls experience more of the ordinary and find that that's really the beautiful life. And, and it, I think then, you know, my, my next slide is, that, okay, and so how do we very intentionally combine, right? Because that is their ordinary their ordinary is getting up in the morning and scrolling their Instagram and checking their texts and seeing how many, you know, direct messages they have. And this is, that is their ordinary. Um, And, uh, and so I think the tendency and you alluded to this earlier, Beth is like, we can go, this is so bad. And, you know, we want to avoid this and we need to protect them from that, but we really can't. So how, how do we then as mothers engage with intentionality around what is ordinary and, and help to keep it that way. And it can feel challenging. One of Libby's friends, her Instagram account got picked up by a clothing maker and they contacted her and said, you know, we'd like to send you clothes and will you, you know, Instagram them and, you know, tag us in it or whatever. And I want to go, what are you talking about? This child's like 13 years old. That's the dumbest thing ever. Right. That's my, (laughs) that is, that is stupid. But, um, but this is just Libby's regular friend, right? And so I, I, my just saying, well, that's dumb, isn't super helpful for her. So I had to say, how is that for you, Lib? 
you know, how's that feeling inside? What are you noticing? And so we've had really honest conversations around where, you know, it, it caused her to go, well, are my clothes okay? Yeah. Like, is, am I looking okay? Am I, and she will come down all, all the time. And I think she has such a cool, funky sense of style. And, and she's confident about it. We go out and shop and like, she knows what she wants. She's not unsure, but she is when she comes down in the morning, this is cool, right? And I'm like, I don't know. What do I know about what's cool? I'm 54. Um, yes, son, that's cool. That looks awesome. And, and that just feels like a little way where I can stay with her in mm -hmm. that, you know, as opposed to just going, that's dumb. We're not talking mm -hmm. about that. Well, you're helping her to metabolize her reality. Right. And yeah. I think that's our job. So I think that has to be kind of an ongoing conversation for us. How do we, that's a great way to put that, Beth. Like, how do we actively help our girls metabolize their reality? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think too, um, Percy, what you just said about like, not just dismissing something for being dumb or not understanding it or, you know, I feel like it's so important to um, let our kids know that we want to be students too, that we are lifelong students. Yeah. And that flies in the face of really traditional parenting where um, mom has all the answers and kids, you know, learn from your parents. And I try, cause it's a fine line too. I don't, I'm not looking to um, be her buddy necessarily and have her think of me as, as a friend in that way. But to let them know, like, if you don't understand something, especially about social media or about a trend or anything that's of interest to them, I love to say, T teach me about that. Like what, what it like, mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed that I don't know this. And I know it's like a dumb dorky mom, but like, what it, what, tell me, teach me. I don't know that it gives them a chance to find some confidence too in explaining something um, and then that can give way to lots of good conversations about, well, digging a little bit deeper behind that. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, that's interesting. You know, just, it's a great way for them to be standing in the front of the classroom for a second to educate mm. you on what's happening in their lives. Right. Or we model for them that we're still learning how to be, better friends, how to be better coworkers and letting them maybe listen in to more of those adult conversations that we're having. I've, I've noticed kind of an unspoken where I'm more content letting the girls just linger and sit at the table longer or stand in the kitchen opening longer as adults are talking about things, whether it's my husband and I or a friend mm. and I or whatever. And they're listening to the angst. They're listening to the complaining. They're listening to my husband say, you need to work through this and, you know, step <laughs> up. And, <laughs> but in the process they're hearing, I feel like that's an exposure to the ordinary, beautiful yeah. life um, where they don't just see the, the curb appeal, right. With how I act with that friend when we're out to dinner, they hear behind the scenes of all the struggle or all the, you know, the working out of things that, that both and I think is also us us modeling for them that we're still learning too. Absolutely, I agree. One of the things I 
I'm learning to balance this better because I wrote a whole book about it, about really exposing our girls to some incredible examples of women um, who are leading and loving and fighting. And so this couple weeks ago, I took the girls to Washington, D.C. and had a whole curated day for them, which included seeing lots of women who had done amazing things, right? The women who were in a deserved museums or were on the posters or, you know, had the TV shows about them. And it was fun and cool and a beautiful day. But the next day we had dinner with all the women of my family and I had them share their stories. And on the way home, my 12 year old, almost 13 year old said that the highlight for her was not the day in DC, seeing all of those amazing women. It was just hearing about the everyday stories of her own family that felt much more relatable and attainable to her. And that was a huge lesson for me um, to find the balance of kind of exposing our our girls to the heroines who have shaped our world and the life they live in now that has been influenced by their work and their predecessors, but also bringing the ordinary into their lives so much more because that's actually the, the life that most of yeah. them will live. Yeah. It's interesting as I listen to you, Beth, I think um, probably again, like in a reaction to my own upbringing where I felt um, I didn't hear you can do anything. You can be anything. You could go to any school. It, it, it didn't, I didn't feel like I had that sort of like, push out into the world and Mark and I were really intentional with the older kids telling them like you can you can do anything you can go anywhere you can be whatever and we said yes to a lot of big things and we tend to live sort of large and loud um (laughs) but uh I can remember Allison telling me I, she was probably 19, 20 ish. And, um, we were sitting on the back porch having coffee. She was home from college. And she said, you know, I want to tell you, like, this has been hard for me, this, like figuring out what I'm going to do because I feel like there's this expectation that, that I have felt because you guys have, been so clear and so positive and so encouraging that, you know, I could do anything in the world. I could go wherever I want to go. Like the sky's the limit. She said, you bring all this energy to that. And I just, what if I want to work at Starbucks? And and it was like, ah, I mean, I just had not even thought about the downside of, you know, creating all this opportunity. Um, and I, I should ask her today what she thinks about that because Allison is not working at Starbucks, although that would be completely fine. And there were many times after that conversation that I circled back to it and said, honey, if you, if this is what you want to do, it would be okay. Right. And it isn't what she wanted to do. Um, but I think to Beth's point, we do need to be talking about, there's so much beauty 
right? In, in a regular life. And I think that is what can tend to get lost in some of how our world looks today. Um, and there's probably a place for us to continue to hold an awareness that along with, yes, you can do anything and be anything, including working yeah. at Starbucks yeah. and, you know, living a, living a life that is very tied to your community in the 10 mile radius around where you live. And, and that is a really beautiful choice and, and life giving and not any less not any less of a life than something that looks big and splashy. I was having this conversation with my son who is, he'll be 16 next month. Um, Cause we're just starting to talk about colleges, which I just can't even wrap my mind around. But um, I was just sharing with him, you know, in his mind, it's like I was born and then uh, I became a successful recording artist and then, and then a mom. So I was just like t t walking him down all of the history of my failure, like just the number of, of times I changed my major in college, the number of jobs I sucked at, um, the number of things I tried that were total failures, uh, the number of people who said no to me in the music industry when I first started, like all of that was a total surprise to him. So I think that just reminding them to try and fail at something is great. It's a great thing to fail at something because it just kind of, you can check that off the list. That is not my thing. Here's what I learned. That is not going to be my thing. Um, and I was never taught that failure was an option. But that was really hard for me. You know, my little girls will look at their older siblings and often, uh, especially Libby will say, I bet they didn't have these problems. <laughs> it's just so funny how quickly we, without anybody telling us we're supposed to, we assume right? That, that it just went beautifully for whoever. So we often, I'm like, no, you know, actually you should call Stephen or you should call Katie or you should call Allison and ask them about what felt hard when they because were your they, age. They see these finished products, quote unquote. Right. And then I get to say, no, you know what? I remember, I remember when, you know, Stephen had all C's and we were grateful that he passed his classes that one mm. semester in high school or whatever. And, you know, no, this was hard for Allison and this was hard for Katie and look, right. Like it, you, you will have a beautiful life. I mean, I tell my girls that the, especially Libby, like it's going to be a beautiful life. Just hang on. Just hang on. Just hang That's, on. There's a good title for a book. Yeah, or a just song. Maybe that'll be my next big hit. Just hang on. Or a song. <laughs> just hang on. It's 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 coming. Uh, well, speaking of which, Nicole, can I ask what you are working on now? Yeah. If you are, are you working on some? You songs? know, this sounds weird to say um, in the middle of spring weather, but I'm. My goal is to have a Christmas record come out. Years, so I have been on my bucket list for a long, long time. So I'm trying so hard to get in Christmassy mode um, and write some some songs about that right now. So that's that's probably the first thing on my project list right now. I'm so excited! I can hardly stand <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. So write them. So this means some original. Yeah, Christmas you know, I songs. I feel like Christmas music is in two categories, and one is and I and I have multiple you know, projects that I own in both categories. One is kind of like uh, fun, 
fun, festive holiday mm-hmm. music. Um, and the other is more sacred. So I don't, I do not see myself, you know, doing yet one more cover of Jingle Bells. I just did not feel like it's in my, in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll probably be more on the, the sacred side and, and some original stuff as well. Oh, so that's so fitting for you, of course. Oh, we're excited about that. I'm very excited. I've wondered, like, where, where's the, where's the you know, Christmas album? Every from? year, I, you know, get invited to do Christmas shows and concerts, and I was like, I don't mm-hmm. have, I don't have that part, that piece yet um, in my discography. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to have that now. Well, Tracy and Nicole, this has been such a great conversation. And what's most exciting to me is that it's just the beginning. I can't wait to kind of dream with you both about um, what we might bring um, to this space of mothering daughters in the future. So with that, I'm going to close us off and just again, with such gratitude, thank you both for being on the show today. And just life giving for me today. Thank you, Beth. It's been beautiful. I've loved the the ordinary conversation that Tracy and Nicole and I have been able to have. And I love how this podcast just brings that out, the the tension of the both end of life, that it is both messy and beautiful, and it is full of ordinary and extraordinary days and stories. And our role as, as women and especially as mothers is to um, just highlight that reality more so that all of us find our place in our stories in a more grounded way. Uh, and not a detached way that feels unattainable or unrelatable. If you would like to follow along uh, with Nicole or Tracy or me, you can find all of the links in the show notes. But I want to offer you something special. We talked a little bit about Red Tent Living. We talked about the Brave Day in October in Austin, Texas, and how all three of us will be there and be a part of that day. I would love to have you join me at my table. Uh, I would love to have you come and experience uh, a day full of ordinary women, um, sharing ordinary stories of women from the Bible. And as we gather around tables, I'd love for you to join me at mine. And so you can uh, get your ticket by going to redtentliving.com and drop down to events and you'll see Brave Day and you can go. And when you get your ticket and put in the code Sit with Beth, you will get 15% off and you will be assigned to my table. And we'll get to hang out for a day in real life, uh, experiencing more of this beautiful um, atmosphere that we create for women. And you'll get to hear Nicole and Tracy and um, I think it's going to be awesome. So sit with Beth for 15% off on a Brave Day ticket. Just head over to redtentliving.com and you'll find out all the details there. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. This is Beth Bruno, and you've been listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.